Welcome to Your Mental Breakdown, the podcast where you get to follow along with a client in real therapy sessions. And you'll hear two licensed psychotherapists. That's us. Breaking it down afterwards, so you get a look behind the curtain. In today's episode, you guys are going to hear a lot more of Doug's amazing analogies. During the session, you'll hear more about Andrew's relationship with both his mom and his brother. And in the breakdown, we talk about perspective and how LA is the best city ever. That's right. Stick around. Welcome. That is Meredith Levy. And that is Doug Friedman. And we are bringing you... (laughs) Live, or not, (laughs) your your mental mental breakdown. breakdown. Hey, Big D. (laughs) Hey, you're also Big D for dork. (laughs) That was amazing. You are adorkable to me. Oh, yeah. I like that. My sister says that. She does? Yeah. I couldn't see her saying that. Yeah. It's a lovely term of endearment. That's true. She had many terms of endearment for me. Did she? And other terms. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. She's wonderful now, but man, did she torture me as a kid. She did? Yeah. Oh, I could see that. Uh, and when I say torture, I don't mean like I've actually, now that we're in this business, when I say that, I feel sure. like I have to qualify yes, it. Yes, yes. I've heard stories, you know, from kids that we used to work with yeah. where they were locked, yeah. locked in the washing machine. I mean, that's horrible thing. That is horrible. No, she just was mean. Th- likes to bossy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, Got it. But always stood up for me. I was, I think bullied in school and she was she was uh, almost two years older, so she would chase the bullies down oh and, and protect God. me and all that. I would I would have beat their ass for you. I bet you would. I would have. That's what she if, said. If I, <laughs> if I hadn't left the school. Oh, by then, no. I, I was almost cool by then. You were cool. Oh, you mean in like elementary? Seventh grade? Seventh grade, I wasn't quite I cool. thought you were cool. Uh, really? Remember the North Hollywood High kids would come and like tag our lockers and shit? Do you remember we had a, a warning once, like- careful everybody because somebody skated by in the alleyway like between the two schools and got beaten up with their own skateboard <laughs> by the north hollywood high kids so sad. and we had roger the big security oh guard, my god i forgot about him huge yeah and like very like you know scary presence yeah. right very imposing figure but he was the sweetest guy yeah you know and i remember he would talk to us and he would say oh yeah I can move a guy like five feet back with one finger. We're like, what? And he showed us like putting his finger right in somebody's sternum yeah. and then dropping to a knuckle with that one finger with force. And it was enough force to like throw one of us back. Like, wow. That's crazy. Granted, he was like 300 pounds and we were all like sure. 50 pounds or whatever. Sure. <laughs> so, well, speak for yourself. I was a little bit larger. Yeah, Maybe not yet. A little baby fat. Yeah, yeah, Burned yeah. off. A little chunk. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yes, ma'am. Tomorrow, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're doing the roundtable. Yeah, I'm so stoked for that. So excited. Yeah, and to let all of you guys know, we're going to put on a couple of these throughout the podcast, where we bring in a few other therapists that one of us may know, one of us does know, the other might not, and we all just kind of chat about a subject. So you get to hear not just me and Meredith, but you get to hear four different therapists talking at the same time. Maybe not quite at the same time, but all of us in the room together giving our insights or talking about a, a certain, you know, subject or something. I know I wasn't going to say anything, but then I just felt like what if listeners call us out on this? It's not just me and Meredith, but it's. Meredith and I? No. All of us? Meredith and me. Well, yeah, but I put myself first. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> good job. That's right. Okay. It's funny. I, we talked about this, the grammar thing, yeah. right? My mom was an English teacher for a while. Like yeah, English is a second language for students. So it was really learning the basics. That's funny. My mom things. was a Spanish teacher. Fíjate. <laughs> That's Spanish for imagine that. I know. I always wanted to use that. Oh, my God. Yay. Um, okay. And I would learn correct grammar right. and, and be, you know, not judged, but be uh, taught yes. <laughs> what was correct and what was not. As I've gotten older, as we talked about the story of me yep. getting not kicked out of UCLA, but dropping out. Yep, yep. Was like, I, I'm not, I don't 
care. I know. But and I can't I, turn it off. I know. And I was going to let it pass. But then I actually thought, oh my God, what if people listening are like, ugh, he doesn't know what he's saying. Well, they're going to do that wise. anyway. I know. You're right. You're right. Grammar wise. I'm, I'm just going to let it go. Right. Yeah. Wise. Okay. Yeah. That's true. Maybe. I'll try. All right. Okay. <laughs> and some rules have changed. They right? sure have. Like they, they've they updated certain words that are now words that didn't used to be and things like that. Yeah. They sure have. Yeah. Yep. It's amazing. So, so yeah. Roundtable coming up. Yeah. Get excited, um, you guys. We are. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited. It's going to be my good friends, John and Bonnie, joining us here. And we're going to talk about I don't know what it'll morph into, but we're starting just to talk about the beginnings with clients because you guys are listening to, you know, the first three, now four sessions with Drew. So getting a sense of how other therapists, you know, think about uh, initial sessions and starting out with people and, and hearing that. And certainly we invite you guys to to come to the website, yourmentalbreakdown.com. And if there's stuff that you'd like to hear a group of therapists talking about, you know, how many of us it takes to screw in a light bulb, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Please let us know and and we'll take that into consideration and completely ignore it while we do our own thing. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we sure will. <laughs> um, it's funny because a, a couple of the questions we got were, is that how you start your sessions or how do you start your sessions? And some of what you might not hear in the very beginning, like as a client, the client's as Andrew's walking in, yeah, we do a little small talk and you don't really hear that on the the session that we're playing for you. You hear the session pretty much in its entirety. We take out some identifying information, some stuff when he refers to people's names or where people work, we'll take some of that out. And the chit chat isn't really that relevant. I think you guys would be really bored if you heard that stuff, but it, it's not like we just start at jumping right in. Sometimes we do. Sometimes what you yeah. hear is actually the very first thing we've said to each other. Yeah. You guys wouldn't be bored if you heard my chit chat with my clients. It's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> you know, though, it, that's so funny because I would say almost every time I go, my light turns on, I go out in the lobby to get my client. They walk in and say, how are you? Or I open the door and I say, Hey, how are you? And they're like, good. How are you? I'm like, good. As we're walking into my office. Right. And I'm like, why the fuck am I asking that? We're in this like sort of hallway <laughs> thing. I'm asking, how are you? They're going to say good. And then they sit down and start crying. Like, why do I ask that? And I just, I haven't quite figured out something else to say. So I, yeah, I, there, it's that piece between the lobby and the, and my office. Interesting. Yeah. And, and it's totally like that automatic. Yeah. How are you? Good. How are you? How's everything? Fine. Yeah. It's not, but that's why we're in here. Yeah. Or it might be. Sure. True. I, I started asking, um, so how's your week been? You know, and that's a little different, but it's still as you're walking in or once you sit down. Well, my my office, I've got double oh. doors right from yeah. the waiting room into yeah. my office. So yeah. you get me almost instantly. Mm. Right. Um, we don't have a walk down the hall or anything like that. Um Yeah, it's like the fucking what's that called? Walk the, of shame, walk of death. Walk or, of shame. <laughs> nope. When you're walking to the electric chair. Right. The Green Mile. The, I don't know. Or Dead Man Walking. Like dead the Man Walking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Okay. Yeah. The, I'm not comparing my clients to Dead Man Walking. That was... Or Green Mile. But yes. So we did get a lot of questions from you guys asking us, you know, some personal information about Drew and... And us. And us. And, you know, like Doug said, there's stuff about Drew that's edited out and... That you can't know. You can't. Ever. It's very secret. There's stuff about us that might come out as we do this kind of stuff. Um, we're happy to answer some questions, not all of them, clearly. W one of the questions I got was, where does Doug get all his analogies from? They're amazing. Oh, yeah. My eighth grade Spanish book. It's a textbook that had analogies for a second. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should have seen my face looking at Doug like, no shit. Yeah. No. Shit. Where do I get them? It's, I don't know, my life experience and part of how my brain works. Um, you know, some of us think analytically, some of us think creatively, some of us think a little bit of both. And, you know, I, I try to come up with analogies that, I mean, might work for the client. It's part of the fun for me of starting with a new client is thinking about what analogies will resonate with this person. Hmm. And, you know, when they're telling me a story, 
therapists sometimes have multiple lines of code in their heads going at the same time, right? I like that analogy. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It, and it's a way for us to kind of sift through what we want to choose. It's when I was a kid, I used to love the choose your own adventure books, you know, the Dungeons and Dragons ones, especially. But the the thing that I, I remember most vividly is from Terminator with Arnold Schwarzenegger, the very first one when he comes and he's just starting to figure out how to interact with people. And somebody's like knocking on his door or wherever he was, or, or, you know, something approaches him and it, the computer scrolls through and his brain scrolls through. Here are a few different things you can say. And he chooses, fuck you, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> like, not that I'm thinking to a client, fuck you, asshole. I'm just thinking like there are several choices. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I go with whichever one I'm feeling at the time. And mm-hmm. it might not work. So I'll use another one later or it might work wonderfully. And that's great. And sometimes even though I'm running through that ticker and that code in my head, if I wait long enough, a client might come up with their own. Right. 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 I like that. Thanks. What else? So we got asked about, you asked us about addiction. Since we were talking about it. Asked if we were both addicts slash in recovery. <laughs> Are we currently doing drugs? Yes. Right, right now. Second. <laughs> no, I am in recovery. Again, 12 step. We all have different views. I'm in recovery from drugs and eating disorders. I do drink now socially. I didn't. I was completely sober for two years and did the program and figured out my own path, and but still in recovery from drugs and eating disorder. I, I'm, I don't know. I was trying to think of if I'm addicted to anything. I, I don't have those issues. I, I know the 12-step programs pretty well. Um, from having friends and clients go through it. I've sat in on it to see what it was all about myself. I, I like sampling things a lot. Yeah. Um, not drugs necessarily. Well, right. I was going to say, <laughs> you're good at sampling, not, not indulging. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Okay. Totally. Somebody said something about how I wrote down jail versus lawyer, but it was that, you know, interesting dichotomy of you gloss over it a lot, very well educated. You've got a JD, you went to law school, passed mm-hmm. the bar, and were a lawyer, mm-hmm. are, are a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. I still pay my dues. That's right. You am a lawyer. And do my CEUs, LA Bar Association, oh, wow. California Bar. That's fun. Um, you got your MBA, right? Mm-hmm. And your master's in psychology. I did. I did all those things. Triple threat. Yeah. God, I understand why I'm difficult to date. I will tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten a lot of feedback. Right. <laughs> Oh, man. It's a thought process, though, right? Like the way we think. Who was it? Someone was telling me recently they were at a DBT training and they said, for some reason, one of the most difficult transitions they see is when lawyers become therapists. And Mm. it's because often lawyers are so linear and maybe argumentative. No, they're not. (laughs) It's funny. (laughs) Um, and so sometimes it's hard to transition into, and, you know, sort of, you talked about this a little bit with, in the upcoming episode about, with Drew about organizing his thoughts. And so a lot of times, while I'm not great at the, seeing the forest, I see all the trees and I mm. want to describe each one, every pine needle, what it looks like. Yeah. All now who's rocking the analogy. Uh, no, look at that. There you go. Love um, that one. So what else are they going to hear coming up? So we're also going to talk about some fear of mortality. Yep. Little of that. Little We, we dig a little deeper in, into what was going on with mom and a little bit about how you can find your own integrity and, and be your own person. And that's something I think we all kind of struggle with. And I don't think that there's, you know, one answer and then we got it part of my bias as a therapist is I think personal growth is an ongoing process. I don't think you reach your finish line and you're done. I'm, I'm big on all the cliches and analogies for it's the journey, not the destination. Right. right. right? Yep. So, uh, so dig into uh, our fourth session. We'll talk to you. We'll, you'll hear us. We'll talk at you. Yes. Not with you. In just a little bit. That's right. What's going on? 
to our conversation last week of me starting to venture out on my own and kind of see what that looks like. Yeah. Um, so I talked to my dad last night and he's for it. And, and so I got back in on that front, which is really cool. So it's just going to be a matter of putting a couple of other pieces in play and hmm. and hopefully in the next couple of months I can start doing that, which will be... Wow. It's crazy. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, when I was talking to him yesterday, I, I kind of, like he said, y'all back, you don't worry about it. You don't, you just have to pay me back eventually. No big deal. And then I kind of like turned that conversation around. And I was like, nah, like, I think you're missing the point. Like, I want you to be a part of this. And and so I want you to like have a stake in it and like own part of it. So it's going to be more of a partnership because I think then that way he'll be more included in it. Why and is that important to you? I, I think at the end of the day, I just want him to be hyped about what I'm doing. You know, I, I think the most important thing for me in life in general is for my parents to kind of support me. And I, I want them to support me in the sense of like, um, of they're actually like genuinely proud, not just because I'm their kid, mm-hmm. you know, so that that's kind of where I'm at and what I what I want to do, because I think not going to college and, and not getting the best grades in high school and being the and being that kid in the family. Right. Um, while my brother went to a good college, he's in, the, he's in the Navy, you know, he graduated and then went to officer school and like, kind of had all those accolades to build him through that. I'm kind of missing that. And so it's all kind of, I'm still searching for that in a sense. Do you think they're proud of you now? I think so. But I mean, I think that's very subjective to, to parents. I think parents are proud of their kids kind of regardless, unless they really mess up. Just being a kid doesn't necessarily carry with it a sense of pride. Yeah. I see what you're saying, though. but And what you're saying, I hear as I want them to be proud, not of I am their son, but of who I actually am. Because, I mean, I know they're proud of me. You know, I'm their kid. And, and so I don't worry about that. It's just like I want them to genuinely be proud of me as a person and not just as their kid. That makes total sense, right? Right. And that's distinguishing yourself as an individual, mm-hmm. but still kind of looking to them <laughs> to validate that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The laughter, why? It, it's totally, I mean, you're you're right on point. And I, I think I go back and forth between want to be so independent that I don't need that from them. But on the flip side of that is like that security for me. And, and that's like just knowing that they're cool with what I'm doing. I can do anything. You know, at the end of the day, as long as they're cool with it and they're proud of me and, and they see all of that, I think that gives me the security blanket to be out and go venture on my own. I think the the biggest thing for me right now is like, how do I get all my thoughts in a row and put them out in a strategic way versus just like, bah. to your dad or to anyone? Anyone. I, I think right. I think I realized it last week when we were talking and then I had that conversation with my dad yesterday and I found myself doing it again. And I was like, hmm, like, hmm. how do you kind of switch that to make it more beginning, start, finish like that, like in a complete way? I, right. I think I'm really good at spewing. I'm not very good at having like a, a list of things that I want to get through and get through all of them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about organizing your thoughts and presenting them in a certain way, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, that's a skill you can learn for sure. Yeah. For you and the way that the spewing happens and then the mind goes and your your 24-7 nature, Mm -hmm. right, is it's so fast and you get so excited and you want to get it out there. Mm -hmm. You know, I do the same thing. I talk so fucking fast. (laughs) I know I talk a lot. I don't think you do. Because you speak my fast language. Right, right. Right? Yeah. I sort of met you where you are. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's fast talk. Great. I can I can do this with him. He'll get it. Yeah. And then faster I go, he'll be right on there with me. Mm-hmm. No problem. Mm-hmm. And I think that idea that you're talking about of having some organization, certainly in here, you can do anything you want. We'll right. figure out the organization yeah. to go. That's probably what the function of this can be. Right. right. So you can, in fact, the very first session, you were like, I don't know where to begin. Like, <laughs> Start in the middle and we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like, just spew it. I'll make sense of it. Right. And I think you're looking at something a little more concrete. Like, well, when I present something to my dad or what I'm working on or what I want to be working on, mm-hmm. I want to be able to organize that. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good point that we do connect on that level, which is really nice for me, just being able to 
spew it all out. I want to get back to that point in my life where like you can be who you are and I want to meet you on that level. And for me right now, it's re- it's just hard. It's just hard to slow down and and take that. Yeah, and it's it's something where there's a skill and an art to that. Mm-hmm. And it requires recognizing your different gears, mm-hmm. right? It's like a stick shift car, which I assume if you grew up where you grew up. Yeah, you know, okay. now. <laughs> like, yeah, you're one of those that definitely knows how to drive a stick. But that idea of having different gears, mm-hmm. right? But we need to learn how to use each one, mm-hmm. you know? And learning how to use them, I, I mean, I had a friend who used to race cars and he would downshift to second gear before every turn. Yeah. And like you... You know, it races like, right, but that's how you don't have to slow to hit the brake. You can keep it going and you just grab the road a little. Got it. And you learn that one. Yeah. Right. Some people, second gear is just to get between, you know, something in between first and third. Mm -hmm. And they just don't use it that way. Makes sense. So we're talking about organizing thoughts and figuring things out. It's learning. I've got all these gears. I don't have to drive around in third gear everywhere I go. Mm pinning my rpms you know i I can i can shift up Mm. you know i can even put it on cruise control sometimes which might be really hard for you to do yeah i love that analogy though because like that makes perfect sense how so to you well from a driving aspect i mean i totally get the analogy of slamming in a second going around a corner and like that meeting people in the right gears you know what i mean um for current speeds and, and finding that that level yeah. Um, I think that that clicks. I think I'm a I'm a very visual learner, mm-hmm. and so when you analog put analogies like that, it's like, oh, okay, that that makes sense, right? And, right. and so I not like click, got it. That makes sense. Yeah, and it's I mean, there's facets to it that are really interesting, going to serve you well if you like the analogy. It's you're going to build an awareness of what gear is this person in that I'm talking to, mm-hmm. and what gear am I currently in, and do I need to shift to to meet them? Mm-hmm. Or try to get them to meet me, mm. you know, because you're not always going to be in the same gear as somebody. Very, very rarely. Right. You know, very rarely. <laughs> and when it clicks, it's amazing. But the road is road conditions are going to change, mm-hmm. and one of you is going to need to shift at some point. Yeah, yeah. And you know, why this just clicked in my head, but I, I kind of feel like that's kind of what is my brother's situation. Like me and his relationship is we've both been in different gears our whole lives. I think on both ends. Now is a little bit different. I, I think I want to meet him in in whatever gear he's in. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he wants to. I feel like when I'm the one to initiate conversations like that, it's kind of like previous references. Right. I feel like that's when when people get really defensive and shut down and just say no and they push me out. And and I think part of that has to do with my presentation on how I go about it. How so? I didn't know how to start talking about any of that so i was like i don't even know where to start i'm just gonna start talking you know we got to the end goal of what we needed to talk about but um it was a struggle to get there it was definitely a struggle well i want to give you a lot of credit for doing it you know and even that idea of like well okay i don't know how to start it where do i start it even saying that is a great start believe it or not Mm -hmm. it's you know i've talked to people that have had to give like acceptance speeches at shows and if you've seen those sometimes they'll go Oh my God, I'm really nervous. (laughs) As soon as we say that, our nerves settle down a little bit, not entirely, Mm -hmm. but a little bit because we're kind of narrating where we are, Mm -hmm. right? And you're not accepting an award yet. (laughs) You you might, right? Being able to say, hey, I'm really nervous. I'm really nervous about this. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure uh, how to phrase it because it always comes out clunky. And I might be a little all over the place and trying to organize better, but I want to tell you about something that that I need or something that I'm not, fuck, I don't even know how I'm saying it right now. That's great because mm-hmm. that's giving somebody some insight into where you are right now. Mm-hmm. Same way we were talking about what gear am I in? It's going, hey, I'm in like neutral. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to step on the clutch and I don't really know where to put the gear, but I'm trying. Mm-hmm. I go, Okay, mm-hmm. go ahead. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So you did it. You started. And a lot of these things I say, are, it's about starting the conversation, not resolving them in the same sit down. Mm-hmm. Just starting the conversation and bringing something to the table. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like what I'm worst at. 
I, I think I'm really good in the middle and the end. It's that beginning piece that I'm just horrible at. You think that means because of that, I won't start anything, so I don't have these conversations? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, maybe we recognize, all right, a way to get better at it is practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a way to practice is recognize I'm not going to get it right. Mm-hmm. And like I said to you in our very first session, there is no right or wrong way mm-hmm. to start something. You know, you can start in the middle and work either way. You can start wherever you are right now. The narrating what you're feeling in the moment is a great way to start. I'm not saying you have to do that. That's the right way. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah. Use that one. It's that that idea of going, hey, I, uh, oh my gosh, I'm really nervous about this. I don't, what, what? I, that's making me more nervous. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm just, man, I'm really bad at starting conversations and I want to have a conversation. And next thing you know, you're you're done starting. You're already there. Yeah. And, and I think, um, I think where this kind of stems from is me not being able to know where I start with my mom. Because I have no idea. I mean, there's so much in all of that that it's like, where do I start? And I, I feel like there's been situations where it, it's almost made sense to have that conversation. But I also feel like I'm a factor of make it or break it with her. It's like if I do have that conversation, I feel like it's just going to done. And How like, so? I feel like me and her life has always been... I'm a safety net for her in that sense. Um, I feel like I... I'm always positive. I'm, I'm always trying to like uplift her. I'm always trying to have good conversations with her so that she doesn't have to focus on the other stuff. Mm. But it's like, how do I switch that in the sense of like, hey, here's what's going on. Because when I first told her I was going to come see you, she was like, you don't need to see him. Like, I know we have issues. We can just talk about him. Like, he'll be fine. And it's like, that's not the point. You know, like, yeah, we have issues. And yeah, we have stuff we need to talk about. But I need to figure out how to talk about him first. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you and I might know this. Yeah. We might have issues, which means you have issue. I have issue and we have issues. Mm -hmm. I'm talking to somebody to figure out the, I have issues part and what that means and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And then I can communicate that to you. You said it when we first met. In fact, I think you said, yeah. And I saw my mom's therapist, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> dig into that you know, at some point, right? And we'll, we'll cover that because there's a lot that goes on with our very first relationship with the first person mm-hmm. that we've ever known, which is our mom. Mm-hmm. And we knew her inside of her yeah. before we ever came out, Yeah, right? right? And there's a dependence, complete dependence at that point. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a very intimate relationship from the get-go. And it has been very layered for you throughout your childhood, throughout your life. Mm-hmm. You were talking about a mom that's been uh, using alcohol and pills, that's had a couple of suicide attempts, that's been in and out of rehab. I don't know if she's completely clean now. I think you said she's not. So, and, and, yeah. and you kind of don't know. Don't. And dude, what incredible pressure on you to be the safety net. Whether she puts it there, you put it there, it's just there as a function. Mm-hmm irrelevant for the fact that it is incredible pressure unfair pressure yeah well and and i feel that pressure you know i I definitely like day in day out i think when i I wake up i go to sleep with that yeah you know it's a constant that that's a constant that's horrible man there's no shrug there i I mean you're shrugging because what we talked about about south central kids right it's normal right it's normalized for you it's not normal yeah it is not normal, but you're so used to it, you've normalized it and just gone, yeah, whatever, shrug, 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 mm-hmm. it's not, yeah, whatever. No, man, that's huge. Yeah. Talking about one of the reasons you came here is, okay, I've got night terrors, mm-hmm. you know, almost every night. That's not normal either. Yeah. Yeah, I had a really bad one this weekend. Mm. Like it was, like, a, it was a... Uh... I don't even remember what it was. I woke up at like 1 a.m., like middle of the night, and like sweating, like just going through it. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It was one of those things where I kind of had the realization that, again, I felt I felt like it was normal. I was like, okay, I've been here. I know what's going on. I know how to handle it. Do my thing. Go back to sleep. And I realized it's not normal. 
because like I don't know. I mean, I've never talked to anybody that does the same like same situation that I go through like that. Right. Um. So I'm realizing that it's not normal. But on the flip side of that, it's like the unknown is kind of scary. Absolutely. I mean, that's I said that to you a while ago. That's that's man's greatest fear is the fear of the unknown, mm-hmm. and that's something that's you know kind of been a theme throughout mm-hmm. a lot of your life. Mm-hmm. And for you, the known at a very early age was your mom, mm-hmm. the separation anxiety. Then 13 to 16, when you were aware that she was using up until the attempt, mm-hmm. it took on a different meaning. And then it was your responsibility in a sense to make sure she's okay. Yeah. At a very early age, that's that's not okay. Yeah, and I still feel that way. You know, that 13-year-old inside of me feels the same way as I do right now. And that's also the heart, I told you to come back to brother. That's the heart. Yeah. Of where that was. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's somebody, frame it this way, we can come back to this one <laughs> down the line, but he might be somebody that you can learn from in the respect that he doesn't bear that responsibility. Mm-hmm. I think he's a little he's a little unhelpful with how he comes across with it because it seems very stern and strict and that fits with military and that, having that structure and kind of going... Mm-hmm. Nope, don't take that. Res- if you're going to take that responsibility, I'm not going to talk to you. Yeah. And that's how he has to do it right. for now. Mm-hmm. Again, we'll come back to him because, <laughs> you know, I told you we're going to work on that. Mm-hmm. You know, if there, if you have a goal of I want to be at the wedding or I want to at least come to some resolve with him, we well, can get there to some degree. And that that's like the biggest question for me right now. It's like me personally, I don't know him. He's not in my life. I don't know who he's marrying. It's like all these factors. Like if he was anybody else in this entire world, I don't even consider going. I'd be like, no, I got other things to do. I feel like it's more of the pressure of my parents hmm. that they want me to go. Right. And majority of my mom wanted me to go. Hmm. For- so it's you taking care of your mom again. Yeah. Yeah. Because if it was my choice, I'd be like, no, I don't want to go. Do you want a relationship with your brother? I don't know. I, like for, for everything that my entire life has told me, no. But I also don't think my life has been normal. And so looking into the future, it's like, well, everybody else pretty much has a relationship with their family to a certain degree. And I want that to be my normal. I don't want the, oh, you have a brother? And then me having to be like, oh, I don't talk to him. Oh, he lives an hour away, but I haven't seen him in x amount of years like that conversation comes up way too often for me mm-hmm. and it's like i hate having that conversation and, and and not from an embarrassment standpoint it's just like i feel like it's repetitive and it's like i'd way 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 rather just be like yeah like my brother i talked to him yesterday why i i think it stems from me not having a huge family and so i really latch on to the people that i do have and it's like i mean i got my mom and i got my dad like, I love, like, they're great. You know, I mean, we got our problems, we got our issues, it's been shit, whatever. But, like, they're amazing and I love them. Mm. And then I have a cousin I talk to, like, maybe once a year and it's birthdays, Christmas, that kind of thing. I, same with my grandparents, you know. And then um, with that being said, I like, my grandpa's Parkinson's. Mm. I found that out yesterday. Wow, really? Yeah. I think hearing that, my instant reaction was, oh, my God, what if this happened to my dad? You know, it wasn't my grandpa that I was worried about initially. It instantly went to, oh, my God, he goes, I need to go spend more time with my dad. Yeah. And that's that pull. I need to spend more time with him. It's a similar thing with your mom. Like, similar but different. Similar in that I feel a responsibility or I need to take care of them. And there's some obligation. There. But there's also a choice. This is my family. I love these guys. Mm-hmm. I want to spend more time with them. Mm-hmm. Which you don't have with your brother because you don't know him. You had a similar upbringing, but different experiences of it. And it might be nice at some point to kind of reflect upon that and go through some of that and see how you turned out. There's something in terms of your integrity and how you are that I really like to highlight in these kinds of situations with family is, am I being the brother or the son that I want to be? Am I being true to that? He might never talk to me again. My dad might, if he had Parkinson's, might not want to spend time with me. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, or they might not want to hear about or understand my successes or all that. But the son that I want to be, the brother I want to be, is someone who does share this stuff. Mm-hmm. 
who does reach out. You know, if I can put it in third gear and go, hey, can you meet me here? He goes, nope. Okay, but I know I did. I know I'm good Yeah, how I reached out or how I tried. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that idea? Yeah, I think it's a perspective change in the sense of I look at it from their viewpoint instead of my own viewpoint a lot of the time. I think just looking at it like, well, who do I want to be and who am I is the bigger question. Yeah. I think once, I mean, that's easy to think about right now. It, it's going to be like a day-to-day thing where I'm like going, going, going. I'm still remembering that. Yeah. And still having that be a concrete like, hey, stay to who you are. Sure. I think it's going to take a lot of work to get to that point. But I, I do like the perspective change of like, don't look at it from somebody else's view because I have no idea how they feel. You know, I mean, they can feel however they want to feel. Right. You know, but at the end of the day, I need to stick to like what I think is right and, and where I feel comfortable. And, and maybe not comfortable, but um, authentic, maybe authentic. or integrous, you know, like something. It's not a selfish, narcissistic way of thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess in some regards it is because it's about ourself. Right. But it's yourself knowing that you were a good person or you were well-intentioned or you did the right thing and you were being how you want to be something that you can be proud of. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Whether or not they take it or see it is up to them. You can't control how your brother is going to respond to you. All you can control is what you put out to him. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm certainly not saying jump on the phone with him right now. (laughs) No. Yeah. At all. Yeah. I think talking about this too, the, the, where my head's at is, is I feel like I've lost that since I moved down here. You know, I, I started, I don't want to say I started living for other people because it's not, it's not right. I almost feel like I put on a persona once mm-hmm. I moved down here to kind of be who people wanted me to be. And I take that back home too, because it's like when I go home, I want to spew all this information out. So my parents in turn flip back and they're like, oh my gosh, it's so cool. You know, so it's like, I feel like now I'm, playing who I think they want me to be right? without being who I want to be. Well, and you're also just kind of figuring out and discovering who you want to be. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that long ago that you were living in a small town. Right. Right. (laughs) It really wasn't. Yeah. So this is all pretty new. We talked about adjusting to it and and figuring that out. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, you know, and why I've said to you, you could be seen as a young 24 or an old 24, Mm -hmm. depending. And, Part of that is, right, because I don't really know how I want to be yet. I'm, I'm figuring it out. I'm in the process, and I'm trying on a few things. Mm-hmm. That's totally fine. Mm-hmm. you know. And the more you get to try those out and see what feels right to you, mm-hmm. not how they respond to, right. but what actually feels good coming from me, mm-hmm. that's the true measure of when I know I'm being authentic. Yeah, I think that's something I've been missing mm-hmm. in, in like a big way. Yeah. And I didn't even realize I was missing it until we started talking about it. Well, and I, I right. feel like I find myself being that now. You know, I feel like I'm the person that all of a sudden just shuts down if if I think for a second you're trying to get something. You know, and and that's the biggest thing for me that I'm trying not to do. Right. Because I, I think my whole purpose here is to be there for people. And so it's like when it happens to me, I hate it. But then when I do it to somebody, it's just brushed off like, eh, I, I already know what's going on. It sounds like you doing it to others is a reaction to it, but right. maybe you are doing it in other places. I don't know. I, I Again, I, I want to go back to the, the influential standpoint, too. You know, I, I think I get nervous or, or somewhat scared in the sense of when I'm talking to all these people. It could be anybody, you know, and as soon as I don't have something to offer them. I feel shitty about myself. If that, you know what I mean? Because mm. this town, like everybody has something to offer and, and everybody wants something from somebody. But as soon as I don't have the ability to give you what you want, that's when I freak out. You now serve no function. Right. You're not necessary. You don't matter. Right. That's a tough function, you know? Yeah. The function of having a function mm-hmm. because that means I'm constantly serving other people. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can do that. I mean, I do that for a living, arguably. Right. Right? Yeah. So you can do that. Maybe we define how that is and kind of how we got on this thread is that idea of being the son or the brother that you want to be, mm-hmm. being the person you want to be. Mm-hmm. 
And what you've said to me before is in all these circles, I'm able to keep it real. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not putting on airs. I'm just me. Right. So maybe the thing that you offer is authenticity, mm-hmm. is true integrity. Yeah. yeah and, that, and that's who I want to be. Yeah. And, and that's, and I'm not making this up. Right. This is coming from you. Yeah. <laughs> what I've heard from you in the few times that we've met. Like, yeah. right. That means something to you. Right. It means everything. Perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where you can almost recognize the shutdown, but instead of shutting down, you can double down. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, wait, I know who I am. I don't want anything from you. I'm being authentic. Mm-hmm. I'd like to make a connection. I'm coming to you in third gear. Oh, you're in fourth right now. I can, I can, shift up oh, in second i can downshift mm. wait you're in overdrive mm. yeah I don't, I don't do that speed yeah i'll be I'm, I'm in third i can go to second or fourth from here i can't skip gears mm. can't slam it into reverse from this i'll strip my gears so yeah cool right but recognizing your mechanism and where you are mm-hmm. and being one of authenticity because i i think that really is everything to you yeah great and you've had enough happen around you at an early age to recognize what's really important to you mm-hmm. here and now. Yeah. You know, I think that's a blessing in the context that we're talking about it now. Me too. It can be a curse for other things and we'll unpack that. You know, we, we touched on and we still got to go there at some point. Yeah. Your brother. Right. We got time to hit that, but there's, there's some stuff wrapped in that too. Yeah. And I think approaching him now, no, we don't even know him coming to that authentic place first recognizing who and how we want to be and approaching him from there mm. maybe yeah there's still a lot with mom we barely touched dad yeah right kind of that idea of going out on my own and wanting to do this and, and you know you, you kind of run that interesting split of i want to do my own thing and be an individual and i still need support from my family. I still want to have a relationship with my family. Mm-hmm. And it's balancing those two, two things. You don't have to reject one to do the other. Mm. You can do both. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's absolutely possible. And I think I, I walk that very fine line of of not balancing. You know, I feel like when one gets out of whack, they're both out of whack. Yeah. And, and I think that's a huge struggle for me. You know, I, having my parents support in the way they do right now is cool. You know, a lot of people don't have that. I think the biggest thing for me in wanting their support and wanting to talk to them every day and have all these conversations with them is just so that when they are gone, I don't look back and say, hey, I wish I would have done this. You know, I, I think I'm taking those steps right now yep. so that when that because i know it's it's gonna happen eventually it happens to everybody nobody's made out alive yet and so it's like i already know that and so i'm taking those steps now so that long term i don't regret anything but i also think that's holding me back from a lot of stuff because i am so worried about that yeah it's almost like we're constantly playing defense mm-hmm. so how are you going to score right right and that idea the way we're talking about it being the son you want to be and you just said it, and the way I often say it to clients is, you be the son that you want to be, so when your parents die, because they will at some point, mm-hmm. you know you were okay. Mm-hmm. You were the son you wanted to be. If there's something left unsaid or something le- and that comes from you, okay, we need to let that out, because that's being the son you want to be. If we're waiting for them to say something or them to, that's a different issue. Right. We can unpack that if we get to that mm-hmm. too, but we don't need them for that thing. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. for having a relationship with my parents that I'm okay with, I know I was the person I wanted to be. We can start embodying that now. Mm-hmm. Right. And looking at what that means. Yeah. I, I want the approval of my dad. I want to make him proud. Mm-hmm. And that partnership, well, because I want him to take an interest in what I'm doing. Or I want him to be a partner in what I'm doing. Don't know. I would say, well, think about that one a little bit. You know, I mean, you were just starting to scratch the surface of doing this thing on my own. What would that look like? And what would that mean? Mm-hmm. Okay. I can almost guarantee your parents will be proud of you no matter what. Right? I think you know that. But mm-hmm. I think you're talking about, I want them to be proud because they've seen me 
build something into not just the success in terms of the dollars, but right. in terms of the purpose it's serving and what I'm doing with it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Sharing your experience of things, you know, might be pretty incredible. Yeah. You might be petrified to have them listen to any of this. Oh, absolutely. Right? The only like real fear, because I've thought about it, you know, I, I think the only like the only fear I have is having my mom listen to it. You know, and like her really understanding like where I'm coming from and like how that looks and how it's affected me and like and, and how all that all of this has come about. Yeah. I think that's the only fear with all of this, you know, is how my mom's gonna react to it. And we don't have any control over her reaction to things. It's out of your control entirely. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, but and then that goes back to the the starting the conversation because yeah. And I shut down. You know what I mean? I'd rather not do it than do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is like my first like big step into taking that initiative. Absolutely. Dude, your last therapist was your mom's therapist. <laughs> yeah. You know? Which is crazy. Like, that's cr- it's it crazy. It actually is. Yeah. Especially considering what was going on with the dynamic of the two of you. And, and that was the middle. Like it was happening. Like that was yeah. in the middle of all of it. Yeah. And that's... It wasn't useful, but you're here now, right. <laughs> right? Right. And, you know, we'll, believe me, we got a lot to walk through and unpack, and we will. Yeah. And I, I can, I can, told you this from the get-go, you're in good hands for this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I see you, I get you, we'll walk through this at our own pace. There's, you know, tendency to like, well, let's do it all, let's go, like, we can pace ourselves with this. Yeah. You know, if you were playing baseball and you go into the batting cages, you know, and I was your hitting instructor. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, keep your elbow up, you know, chin on your shoulder, go shoulder to shoulder, make sure your back leg is doing this, do this with your hips. You want to torque here, make sure your knuckles are lined up this way. You want to switch over, like, what? <laughs> yeah. One thing at a time. Yeah. One adjustment at a time. The best hitting instructors tell people hitting, this is the one adjustment to make for this round. Mm-hmm. Made it, got it. Okay, now we can move to this adjustment. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a process. Yeah. And that's how you strengthen yourself. Yeah. And, and I think it, it's the little things. You know, I, I think it's the little perspective changes that I've already seen over these last couple of sessions. I've already, like I said last time, you know, I've already seen it and yeah. I've already seen the little things tweaking. And I think the more little things that we can tweak, the bigger picture comes into play. And, and that's when I'm going to be a great hitter. You know, I, I think to your point, it's going to take a lot of time and we do have a lot to talk about and get into. Yeah. Um, I'm just glad we started. Hey, everyone. We're back. Welcome back. So you guys started out by following up with the idea of venturing out on his own. I was pretty surprised to hear that between the last session and this one, he had talked to his dad about not just borrowing money, but partnering with him. Right wanting him to be involved. So he's proud of him as a person, not just at his, as his kid. Right. And I think at the, towards the end, you sort of brought up the idea of maybe not partnering. Like you just, a, a little grays. Yeah, a little grays. I think what I said a few weeks ago was that idea of individuating, like being his own person separate from anybody else. That's a really hard thing to do. And sometimes people go through that, you know, around 15, around those teenage mm-hmm. years, right? So maybe he didn't really get to to do that so much, especially with what happened with, with mom and how dad is like his best friend and, you know, all this stuff. Right. So that idea of, you know, just kind of laying groundwork or showing him, can you do this on your own and choose to do it with a partner as opposed to, the idea of a safety net. Yeah. And that's what I need. And I, and I need to have that. And I can't do it without him. And, and even in that conversation with dad, he said, no, no, you don't get it. I want you to be a partner. Yeah. I want to do this with you. I also hear that as I'm scared to do this alone. He kind of was saying he wants him to be proud of not just him as a son, but proud of what he's doing. And, you know, my mind goes to, sure, you know, my parents are proud of me as a therapist. My dad would never go to therapy. So I I don't even know if he 
he really probably doesn't understand what I do. And, and if I were a clothing designer, a fashion designer, especially if it was more progressive and my parents would be like, what the fuck is this? Sure. What is off white? Why do people have these orange tags on their shoes or whatever? So I don't know, like he wants his, sounds like he really wants his dad to like what it is that he's doing. Yeah. In a sense, like him, but him is defined by who I am, how I am, right. and what I do. Right. 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 Yeah, totally. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I don't know, Drew. It could be <laughs> a little sus working with your dad. Who knows? Could be amazing. Yeah, we don't know. We'll see what happens. One of my favorite things about this session, because you know how I love this stuff, is oh, yeah. when you talked about organizing thoughts. I knew it. I wrote my my notes. I'm holding up my paper. It says organizing your thoughts. I could hear Meredith going, yes, let's do it. Oh, I was like, oh, this is just you know, budgeting again. Like, yes, <laughs> organizing thoughts. So excited. <laughs> and it was so awesome to hear you put into words what he was saying. You put him into words succinctly, which is what he was saying he isn't, basically. Right. And I am not either. I don't, <laughs> Clearly, illustration right here. As evidenced by, I don't know if you've ever seen, my God, there's a fucking awesome meme that shows someone else talking and then it's literally three words and then it's me telling the same story and it's like 5,000 words. Right, right. And it's all over the place. I want you to know every detail. I want you to know. So I walked in the room and then this happened and then this happened and it's not necessary. Sometimes, I mean, it's not horrible. It is nice to be succinct so people don't tune the fuck out. Well, and it's it's succinct. It's also maybe what succinct means uh, to the point. Like, what's what's the point? What are we trying to communicate? And I used to use another analogy in here. I am with one that you didn't get in session. So you're only getting it ooh, here on the ooh, podcast. Ooh, ooh. How we talk about things um, with those details like you're talking about or just, you know, kind of the point and the vibe and the feeling. Um, you remember the game Pac-Man? Or Miss Pac-Man. I sure do. Right? If you talk about it as, yeah, I was playing Miss Pac-Man the other day and, you know, I was eating all the pellets and every time you get the big pellet and they turn into the ghost, you can get 1,600 points because the first ghost is 200, then 400, then 800, then 1,600. You can score a lot. And I got all the way up to the banana level on the first, like, try without losing a man. And it was amazing because I got like, you're just going fucking mind numb. As opposed to, how would you say? Because that's how I would say it. Right. And that's saying all the details. And I would say it more like, yeah, I was playing Miss Pac-Man the other day and it was, oh man, it was such a trip. It was so nostalgic to like, remember what it was like to play as a kid. And I felt like so amazing and I was totally getting into it and engrossed by it and, and remembering some of the patterns of like how I used to move and, and things I used to do. And it was just all kind of like flushing back on me. It was just so fun. And then there's the people who would say, I was playing Miss Pac-Man the other day and I got to the banana level. Right. I played Miss Pac-Man. It was cool. Right. You know, how was Miss Pac-Man? Fine. Right. Right. Exactly. So, uh, and for me, how was Miss Pac-Man? Fucking amazing. <laughs> or it would be fucking horrible. That thing's so hard. I, you know. Because he cursed like a motherfucker. I do. It's also something that when clients just say it was fine mm-hmm. or I got to the banana level, like, <laughs> all right, t- tell me a little more about that. How did it feel to get to the banana level? What? What was that like for you? I have a few uh, words that go up on the on the board that I cross out. One of them is fine. Right. I don't want to hear sure or fine. It's yeah. my most biggest pet peeve. Like, hey, you want to go on a date? Fine. Sure. Yeah. Like, no, I, I want either a yes or a no. It's funny. You just hit something that I was thinking of when I heard the session again. You know, my biggest pet peeve. The big, he says quite often, my biggest thing. Yeah. You know, the biggest yeah, thing for he me. he does. You're right. Right? And that's, yep. I think, important to know. When I first heard that, I was like, wow, he's aware of his biggest issue. No, it's He's got just, 400 of them. Right. The biggest thing is the thing that's on my mind the yeah, most right now. exactly. Right? Yeah. Which also is an indicator to me that he's got many things on yes. his mind. Yeah. This is the biggest one, but there's so much other stuff there. Like, this guy's holding on to so much, right? And probably can use a little dump, Yeah, you know? I didn't use spew. <laughs> use a dump. I, well, <laughs> it was spew or dump. Take your pick. Yes. The analogy of the gear shifts in the car and that mm. was all, he 
loved that. And I thought that was awesome. And then he sort of flipped it and said, connecting with you. And he said, like, I can connect with you on all gears, like fast, slow. And, and he said a lot of, you know, a few times he said, I didn't realize that until just now, or Mm. that really clicks for me. And you talked about learning. I don't know if he did or you did, but learning to use all the gears for different things and at different points and for different purposes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the, God, I've got very vivid memories of a buddy of mine who was a race car driver mm-hmm. downshifting the second gear to take turns. And, you know, if you don't know that, you don't think about that, you don't do that, but it's a gear and a way to use a gear. And it, I love that he got it and he understood it. And that, that was something we were talking about at the lead of this is what analogies will resonate for them. Yeah. This one was, so we got to go a little deeper into it and use it and you know, he's going to be applying it and then started to think of meeting people and what gear they're in too. Yep. Right. And that again is something I know I always bring up DBT, but I have to. (laughs) Um, So knowing someone's state of mind, we talk about meeting someone where they are and saying, what gear am I in? What gear is the other person? And we talk about that, about states of mind. You know, am I in my reasonable mind, sort of my logical mind, or am I more in my emotional mind, you know, or am I in my, in the balance, the wise mind? But if I'm doing taxes and, you know, my boyfriend wants to talk about our relationship. It's not a good time. And that's, that's important because a lot of times we'll talk about his relationship, but a lot of people will talk about their relationships as we'll hear it as they're just in different gears right now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they're not a match or they yeah. don't mesh. They're just not speaking in the same way, especially like with what we just talked about. Somebody might be, I got up to the banana level and the other one would be like, it was fucking amazing. Like, <laughs> you're not necessarily two different people. You're just in two different gears right now. And can we find some common gear? Can we meet somewhere? I have that a lot in my relationships in life because I'm very animated and it's, you know, Hey, do you want to go out to dinner? Fuck? Yeah, let's go. Where are we going? You know? And someone else like, I right. like, what do you mean, dude? Right. Like the sun's shining. It's a beautiful day out. I mean, I'm not fucking Holly hobby, Obviously, I need to work on my swearing. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's hard when we have different affects or when we have different responses and we feel our personalization or perception of what someone is saying is totally different than what they mean. Mm, Right. Yeah. And it's message sent and message received are often very, very different. And that's where can we get to that succinct, what was your point? What were you trying to say? Right. You know, what was your intention? Right. Which is something we get to in this session a little bit too, about that, that idea of intention and integrity and mm-hmm. where you want to be with something and who you want to be. Right? right. I think that's something that, that concerns him a lot. And I think the way you sort of, again, phrased it was what you're offering is authenticity. Mm, and right. then you said, and I had to write it down because it's so genius. Instead of shut down, double down, mm, trademark right. that shit, bitches. There you go. Right. Yeah, it's something, I mean, the verbiage I just came up with at the time, um, it's now trademarked and copyrighted, so don't you fucking touch it. (laughs) But (laughs) actually, I I feel the opposite. Use it. I I would love people to use it. Because the idea is a lot of times, as he was saying, we go into that shutdown mode where if we're not met at the right gear that, or, or in just a similar gear that we're in, if someone's not giving us what we want or not showing us something the way we would recognize it, or we feel fear or insecurity or anxiety, depression, anything, we might just shut down mm-hmm. or we'll see the other person shut down. And that is a defense mechanism because whatever that thing is, is probably triggering something deeper. So we want to stay away from there. We don't want to go there. And double down means, wait, let's actually move towards that thing. Right. Let's go towards what we see as discomfort now. That's how we talk about it and we make it more comfortable. You know, it's not to make the thing better, right? Because sometimes what's bringing you discomfort might be truly uncomfortable and and a really horrible thing. And the idea is maybe somebody meeting you there is just able to commiserate with you or or recognize where you are and and be a sympathetic ear and and be there, be empathetic if they can. And that starts to feel better and feel more comforting. 
And then the thing that was uncomfortable becomes comforting and that eventually will lead to comfortable. Nice. I like that. Thanks. I will say, so I'm going to keep coming back to this because this is what I do. Bring it on. So he said when he started talking about that whole part was, in this town, everyone has something to offer and everyone wants something from somebody. Right, right. I call bullshit again. Because <laughs> you are the expert in this town. Because I'm the expert in this town, yes. Right. And also because what? Like, what are you talking about? No, they don't. Everybody doesn't want something from everybody. For sure. Absolutely. And if, if you say that's not true to him in that moment, he's going to fight it. He's going to get defensive or he's going to bring it back around, shut down. Right. right. So even though, I mean, I love that, that you recognize like bullshit, that's not true. Cause that's going, oh, right. There's an error in his thinking. He's got some incorrect, distorted thoughts. And at some point we're going to need to challenge those. Right. You know, and that's sort of a CBT type of thing. Right. Like, so the difference is I challenge him in the moment. Right. right. So even if, and I get it, because if you had done that, this would have been a whole different session probably. Totally. But in the moment I would say, wait, 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 why do you think that? And how do you know that? And have you met everybody? Right. And, right. you know, just challenging the judgments because along the same lines, when we judge, we have so many judgments. Usually the more we judge others, the more we judge ourselves. So mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. sort of, and when I first start doing that with people there, I get a lot of it with people who have moved here right? and they say, oh, everyone in LA or, you know, those people or something like that. And I'm like, no, I don't tell me what you're talking. I have no idea. Right. Just explain it to me. Cause right. I, I don't know, by the way, how would I know I'm from here? Right. <laughs> like <laughs> I am one of them. And it's, it's just interesting when people's, you see their, their minds start going, they're like, oh, well, you know what I mean? Nope. Sure. Don't. Right. And that's, that's, I want to, I want to know what you actually mean. Exactly. There's a, a line from a crappy movie. Uh, well, I don't want to pass judgment. Um, <laughs> it was a, a movie called City of Angels with Nicolas mm, Cage and Meg yeah, Ryan. Right? Yeah. You remember that one? I just love the name. Ah, of course, because we're talking about LA. Well, right? and I, I have that tattooed on the back of my neck. That's right. Yeah. Got a lot of tattoos on the back of your stuff. Oh, the <laughs> <laughs> um, so the whole movie is he's this angel that comes down and he falls for Meg Ryan, but he's never experienced life as a human. And in one scene, she's eating a pear and he says, you know, what does that taste like? And she goes, it's a pear. You know what a pear tastes like? He goes, I don't know what it tastes like to you. Oh my God. That's right? a great impression. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, and that, that line of knowing what it tastes yep. like to you. Yep. In fact, I bust that line on clients all the time. Because it's, it's great. It's That is great. Right. You, you know what LA is like. You know the people here. Like, I don't know what they're like to you. Totally. From your perspective. Right. Right. And that's kind of, you know, what we can get at with him in particular, like the thing that you're picking up. I wouldn't challenge those thoughts right now. We're four sessions in. I haven't laid groundwork for doing that. Right. I often will tell clients, oh, I listen to how you say things. Like when you say my anxiety, I'll stop you and go, really? Is it yours? You own it? You possess it? Oh, it's just anxiety that you experience. Right. Anxiety comes in and takes over. Right. But it's not your, when you start calling it mine, it's it's almost like you're giving it the invitation. Yeah. Right? Totally. I will bust them on that stuff all the time. Right from the start. From the start, if I've told them that I listened okay. for that kind of stuff Got and it. why. Right. You know? Yeah. And I haven't done that with him yet, so I didn't want to bust him mm. on, on certain things. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's part of why you know, a lot of this stuff has to unfold and we just kind of mark, you know, like I hear him saying those things and I go, okay, so he's got certain perceptions. We're going to have to, certain distortions. We're going right. to have to, okay, right. great. There's that stuff. So that's exactly right. You are, you see the the forest. Yeah. And I see the trees and I'm like, oh, tree, hold on. Well, let's talk about that tree real quick. I think we, we both have the ability to see forest and trees. For sure. Yeah. I think with a lot of the clients that you see, there is a sense of acuity to it. And, yeah. and some of these trees can't be ignored because they're going to fucking slam right into them full full force. Great analogy. Right? So you go, all right, hang on. Yeah. We need to chop this fucker down. Right. So you can get through. Right. Right. Yeah. And and when he was talking about mom in, in this session, I was really logging it as, wow, we're going to need to walk through this trauma mm -hmm. at some point because mm -hmm. it, it, is, it is thick with trauma. There's some PTSD there for sure. Yeah. And we're not there yet. Um, he almost has too much enthusiasm to go for it. Like mm -hmm. if we started to go for it, I, I can see it being the kind of thing where he would 
understand it or want to process it and get through it. I'm like, we might need to walk through this with a deeper, you know, uh, emotional connection to it. Yeah. Right. So next week. You'll hear me talk to him about some of the, that distorted thinking and, and programming mm-hmm. that's in there. And I start a little bit going after some patterns, but you'll hear him putting things that we've talked about just in the first few sessions into practice, which is really cool. Like you don't often hear that especially when I'm not like giving homework, like, Hey, work on this or try right, to try to right. look for this. But he's, he's bringing in things that he's actively working on, which is really cool. Right. You know, when, when you do, this is partly what the work is, right. You're doing the work that yeah. means you're applying what we talk about and seeing it in real time and examples in your life. So think about things yes. in terms of your own life and how you might put things into practice and let's see what you guys come up with too. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. 